was my roadie. He gets the stage set up for me. <laughs> so, and I was thinking, and as he's doing, I'm like, man, this is so nice. Like, he gets everything set up for me. Uh, so there are two two big things happening in our passage today. We're just two two sermons away from finishing First Peter. We'll finish it up next Sunday on Easter Sunday. We'll finish up First Peter. Two things happening in today's passage. There's two sets two sets of things. There's a set of commands, and there's a set of reminders. A set of commands, a set of reminders. This book set in the context of persecution, suffering. As Peter writes to this community of Christians set out in these different places around the Roman world, giving them instruction on how to endure and do good and trust God along the way. He's coming right here to the end of the letter. A set of commands, a set of reminders. So let's jump in. First Peter, chapter 5. We pick up with verse 8. Chapter 5, starting with verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. All right. Set a, a, set of, a set of commands, a set of reminders. So we'll pick up with the set of commands first, and we just jump right in to, and we'll highlight the front part of that first verse, verse 8. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Now, we've talked about this before. We'll grab a couple of those passages in a minute. But what Peter's not saying is that, is that you have to always, like you can never drink alcohol. That, that's where I'm going here. That's, that's, not, that's not what we need to think of when we think sober mind. Sober mind is clear thinking. Now, can you have less than clear thinking if drinking too much? Absolutely. I see some of you going, yes, yes. I'm judging you. Um, so, so, so. That's my way of just gauging where our problems are. Um, so, okay. um, but, but the point here is not a command never to drink alcohol. The point here is to have clear thinking. That's, that's the meaning behind a sober mind is clear thinking. And it's focused thinking and it's watchful thinking. This is that idea of what it means to be alert. Now, one commentator that I read actually came at this, this verse from the opposite direction. So what would it look like if you didn't have a sober mind or you weren't alert? I really like the way he said it, so I bring that to you. Here's what he writes. The opposite of this sober watchfulness is a kind of spiritual drowsiness in which one sees and responds to situations no differently than unbelievers. And God's perspective on each event is seldom ever considered. So the opposite of being alert and of sober mind is to actually just keep walking through life like anybody else, never considering God's perspective. The moment, the moment that you take on God's perspective, you begin to see things as God would see them. That's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing uh, that, that looks like an alert and sober mind. 
I like this idea of being spiritually drowsy. It's like taking spiritual Benadryl. You just like kind of have this fog. And you just walk through life not considering that God is in control. God is for your good. And you just kind of, that just kind of slips away. And you just walk around in a fog. And man, that is the tendency of the human heart. To not be alert. To be drowsy. But here Peter has this, this command to be alert and a sober mind. You stay focused. You be watchful. And it's not new for Peter. It's not new for Peter. Chapter 1, verse 13, he had this to say. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. There's this idea that you need to be, you need to be walking through the world aware that there is the age to come. You need to, you need to always be conscious that, that, that this world is not all there is. So be focused on that. Your hope has got to be so locked in that you don't walk around spiritually drowsy. Stay focused on the age to come. Stay focused on the hope. That's why he says to be alert in a sober mind. Then, in chapter 4, verse 7, we just studied this a few weeks ago, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert in a sober mind, so that you may pray. Again, be alert, stay focused, be watchful, because actually... Actually, when you do that, you pray effectively. Don't walk around spiritually drowsy. Stay focused. Have God's perspective. Because it's going to help you hold on to hope, even when you have no hope. And it's going to help you talk to God most effectively, even when you don't maybe feel like talking to God. This is why you stay alert, you stay focused, you stay watchful. You have a clear mind. And here at chapter 5, He's got another reason why you need to stay alert and a sober mind. So it comes next in the verse. We'll highlight it here. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is actually an enemy in our world. There's someone that wants to devour you. Now, when we think about this in the context of First Peter, we might think of persecution as something that happens to your body. Like someone's going to beat you up. Someone's going to whip you. Someone's going to put you in jail because you're a Christian. You're going to suffer unjustly and it's going to be, it's going to hurt. But what we find in the verse is not a connection between physical pain and the command to be, uh, and the command to be sober and to be alert. Actually, the threat, the threat of being devoured is tied to the mind. I just wanted to make sure we are making this connection. He tells them, you need to be alert. Your mind needs to be clear. You don't need to go to the gym every day and get buffed. You, your mind needs to be clear. Your mind needs to be focused because you've got an enemy that's going to devour you. And how's the, how's the enemy going to take you down? Is he going to take out your knees? Put you in jail? Take away your house? Take away all your freedoms? He's going to come for your mind. The enemy, the devil, comes first and foremost for the mind. Because the person that gets the mind gets everything else. You can take my body, but as long as you don't get my mind, you don't have me. The mind is so powerful. And I want you to watch this. We're just going to take two big passages, both of them you know, and I want you to see how the devil attacks. He always starts with the mind. 
Remember back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, we'll take a large excerpt from verses 1 through 6. The serpent being the channel through whom the devil is working here, in this very good world of God, we see this happen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, I've got to stop right there, the first thing out the gate is not a snake bite. It's not physical persecution. The first attack out of the gate in world history are a set of words. The snake says something. The enemy talks. He doesn't beat or punch or kick. He speaks. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to the husband who was with her, and he ate it. And from there on, humans move into a deep spiral that leads to death. It actually leads to the exile out of the Garden of Life. And how did it all happen? With a bunch of words. Satan, the adversary, starts with words. So when Peter says, be alert and of sober mind, because the devil's proud to rally you, to devour you, there's no doubt he is hyperlinking back to the story of the fall of Adam and Eve when the devil enters to devour, and he does it by going for the mind. So you have an alert, a focused, a clear mind. Because if your thinking goes wrong, everything else will too. You know where else this happens? It happens in that famous story recorded in the Gospel of Luke. It's recorded in uh, uh, Matthew as well. I want to read the Matthew account. It's the temptation of Jesus. I want you to walk with me. We're just gonna, you're going to listen. I'm just going to read. Walk with me through the temptation of Jesus and pay attention to, to how Satan does it. Not once does Satan punch, kick, throat punch, choke, any other physical harm to Jesus. He does it with words. He does it with thinking. Here it is. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. And he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It was written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, that they will lift you up by their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, 
For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him. And angels came and attended him. Three times Satan, Satan speaks lies. And Jesus comes with a clear mind and speaks back truth. This was a game of the mind. Because Satan knew from the beginning the way you take down human beings is first you attack the mind. And if you get the mind, you get everything else. You get their mind, you'll get their body. If, if Satan could get Jesus' mind, if you're the Son of God, then we'll make these stones into bread. Well, that's a, that's a mind game. The lie is that the only way to demonstrate he was the Son of God was to make bread. Jesus knew he could survive on the Word. So he stood on faith, faith rooted in the Word. He resisted the devil with thinking, and it was rooted in faith. Now, we know Peter was not here as all this was happening. But it's most likely that Jesus told his apostles this story, which is how it comes to us in the inspired Word of God. That Jesus told this story to his disciples. I don't know how many times he would have told it to them, but I have no doubt that Peter carried that story in his mind the rest of his life. And so when he comes to this point in the letter, as he's giving this instruction, this set of commands to these Christians to be alert, make sure you have a clear mind, because the devil, he's coming for you, he's He's, he's linking back to the beginning when that's the way Satan did it at first, and that's the same way he tried to do it with Jesus, Lord and King, Messiah. So what's the next thing Peter's going to tell him? He's going to tell him to do what Jesus did. He says this, we'll highlight it. He told him, resist him, standing firm in the faith. That's exactly what Jesus did. I have no doubt that Peter is, is remembering the story Jesus told, told him and the rest of the disciples many years ago. You resist the devil. And the way you resist the devil is you resist it like Jesus resisted it. You have God's Word hidden in your heart. You have right thinking and you speak right thinking back to false thinking. That's what you do to, to resist the devil. Because if the devil can get your thinking... He's going to get everything else. Bad thinking leads to bad, ha uh, bad behavior, and bad behavior leads to bad habits, and bad habits will lead to death. This is just, this is just the way human living works. And so he says, resist the devil, and the way Peter knows that has to happen is through the Word. You have to be rooted in the Word. It is, it is through the Word faith grows. So, much, so many of us, myself included, sometimes we struggle with having little faith. And we always got to wonder, I always wonder, and I, wonder, I just, I evaluate myself, how much Bible am I putting in? Because in my lowest moments are usually the lowest Bible intake. Those actually often correlate. So, let's just remember what Peter had to say about this. Often Peter, when he gets to this part in the letter, he's just repeating many of the things he's already said at the beginning of the letter. And he has something to say about the Word of God, how important the Word of God is. Now, just for resisting the devil, standing firm in the faith, actually what the Word of God has to do with your salvation. Here's what he said, chapter 1, verse 23 and 25. I'm obviously have underlined some of the key points of that passage. We're going all the way back to chapter 1, 1 Peter, where he writes, For you have been born again, now not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. What's that imperishable seed? Through the living enduring Word of God. 
For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. So the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. So to resist the devil, you stand firm in faith. How do you get more faith? You just keep standing, saturated in God's Word. Because what's going to last? The Easter lily? No. Pretty? Yes. Last? No. We'll be taking them out of here in a couple weeks, right? Like, they'll be gone. Dead. If we're all doing our job, we'll get them out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I've been known to leave flowers too long. The Word of God doesn't die. It doesn't wither it grows, it blossoms. That's how you resist the devil. And I'm just going to go on a limb and say, if that's what Jesus had to do to resist him, we are no better than Jesus. And that's what we must do. Right thinking is the way to attack wrong thinking. That's the way. Alright, that's the set of commands. Be alert, sober-minded. You resist the devil. Stand firm in faith because he's prowling. And he wants to devour you. And never forget, he wants to devour your thinking first and foremost. So then there's a set of reminders. A set of reminders. He's going to remind them of something. Man, and Peter has reminded them of a lot of things throughout the letter. But here we go. We'll highlight, we'll highlight that big reminder coming up. That we're, he's going to restore, that you, they will be restored, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And that's a great reminder in a world where you're suffering. In a context where you're living under a crooked boss, or maybe you're suffering in the home, or your government's just corrupt, and you're just struggling, or maybe life's just thrown you some really bad curveballs, and you don't know how to handle it, and you're just struggling, you remember, you will be restored. You're going to be established. You will come through the storm. That's a great reminder. Now here we could just walk, just walk down that encouragement road and I could give you one big pep talk. But this passage is not about you. And it's definitely not about me. Because the only reason Peter can come to the point where he reminds them that you will be restored. And you're going to be established. Yes, life really stinks, but you're going to be established. The only reason he can come to that point and he can say that is because who stands behind that promise and that hope. It's God. And Peter has been, has been uh, taking the, these Christians' eyes and raising them to the horizon, looking beyond just this life and making sure they remember over and over again that you and I are not the center of the universe. The big reminder here is not that you'll be restored, although that is a wonderful reminder. Let that encourage you to give you endurance. The reminder is... God's the one that's going to do it all. That's the reminder. God's in control. He's the center of the universe. So here it is. Check out the rest of the verse. So yes, you and I will be restored. We will be established. And that looks like a great, a great place to launch into a pep talk. But the passage actually highlights God through Christ more than it has anything to say about us. The God of all grace. He called you. You didn't call yourself, by the way. He called you. And He called you to His eternal glory. Not your glory. It's not about you. I mean, you can be really good at some stuff. And you can get all the praise and all the awards. But just to remember, it's His glory that really counts. Because that's the thing that's going to endure. So He's called you to His eternal glory in Christ. And He will Himself 
He's going to do all the restoring. And guess who's going to get all the praise when he restores you? Now, you're going to enjoy being restored. That Man, that's a great hope for all of us to lock on to, that your suffering will not last forever in Christ. But never forget, it's all in enough at this last part of the verse. To him be the power forever and ever. It go, it, it, it's about God. And if there's one thing we got to remember in our world that is so fashioned and crafted and shaped to be all about me and you, we're constantly being talked to. We're constantly being sold things. We're being told we deserve all these things. And if you don't have the money, someone will let you borrow it so that you can have all these things you deserve. Constantly we're being told we are the sinner. But we desperately need this message. That it is to Him. Him alone. His glory in Christ. Him. Him is the power to Him forever and ever. This is a thing for Peter. Remember Peter who walked with Jesus. He says this often. Let's go to the next verse. Chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone serves, they should be, uh, do so with the strength God's going to provide you. God's going to provide you the strength. So that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ, through Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Peter had it figured out here. God's the center of the universe. That's a really good thing. So to kind of summarize where this passage takes us, there's a set of commands to think clearly. Think clearly. Be of sober mind. Be focused. Be watchful. Because you have an enemy that wants to devour you and he's going to do it through your thinking. And then just never forget, this set of reminders, never forget you will be restored. And you will be established. You will come through the suffering. You will walk through every storm. But do not forget this, the greater reminder, He's the one that's going to do it. It will be the God of grace, He Himself, and it will be to Him that receive all the power, that has all the power and, and all the glory forever and ever. Set of commands, set of reminders. It's a great place for us to be, I think. All right, let's make some application. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to actually start us off in the application with another Bible verse. I, don't try, I try to do this, you know, try not to do this too often because application is supposed to be right here where we live. To use a Bible verse might seem a bit churchy, a little, little, bit, a little bit cliche to, to pull a Bible verse on the application. But man, I can't do better than this one. 2 Corinthians... Chapter 10, verse 5, Paul wrote this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take every, and we take every, we take captive every thought to make obedient to Christ. That's the application. Take every thought captive for Christ. That means everything gets, everything gets driven through the Jesus filter. That's what that means. It doesn't matter if you're selling a house, if you're selling meat at Elias's. It doesn't matter if you're teaching in a classroom, you're trying to lead the school system, you're playing guitar on stage, you're preaching, whatever it is, you're running it through the Jesus filter. That's, that's what it looks like to take every thought captive. Where it becomes a little bit more difficult is when we realize how many thoughts are coming through the airways all the time. The moment you turn on 24-7 news, the moment you turn on the music, uh, the radio, and hear the music on the radio, the moment you turn on that sporting event, the moment, the moment you do anything, 
in this world, you're going to have messages flying at you. And do not think that the devil has a vested interest in getting you particular messages through, through that, those mediums. If you think that Disney is a neutral party, well then you're just kidding yourself. Disney is sending messages. Paramount Plus, and man, we love Paramount Plus because we love Umizumi and Paw Patrol. Like, thank you, Paw Patrol. You have saved our family. Thank you, Paw Patrol. But man, there are messages coming through Paw Patrol. I'm not saying they're bad messages. Listen, I'm all about Chase and Rocky and Zoom. Like, it's okay. We're good. But there are messages coming through everything. Got baseball going on. You know, baseball going on. I'm going to watch baseball this afternoon. But when they show the field, there are advertisements all over that baseball field. Why? Because they need to make sure to get us messages. And those messages are not always good. Listen, Coke is a really big thing in our house. Not because of me, but because of someone else. This person just really likes Coke. Coke has a very wicked message. It's something about, like, be happy. Like, it's all about your happiness. I can't remember what it is. Someone remind me what it is? Oh, they haven't even spent enough money for you to remember it. But, um, but, but it, 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 it's something like, basically, your happiness is everything in the world. If you drink Coke, you'll have happiness. That's a lie. That is a lie. It tastes good, but it's a lie. We are constantly being fed messages. We have to be very careful. One scholar had this to say, in the realm of ethics. Man, I really like this. So I wanted to share it. Notice how we talk about ethics. People are no longer evil or perverse. They just adopt alternative lifestyles. Deeds are no longer right or wrong. They are appropriate or inappropriate, which implies that wicked acts are nothing worse than breaches of etiquette. That's what's happening. If someone offers us a, a chance to do evil, we don't say that's wrong. We say, I'm uncomfortable with that. Or, I'm not comfortable with that. As if comfort were a moral category. Language matters. Your thinking matters. We live in a world, I'm preaching to the choir here, but we live in a world where you can feel a certain way and that then can define anything you want in your life. So if I feel like a woman right now, I could be a woman. And you'll need to call me she. Or you will be oppressing me. Now, there's a lot of complex academic thinking that goes under that. And would you expect nothing less? The devil does not give us arguments that are ridiculous on surface in the world. The devil will always work in complexity. And he will make very very uh, uh, appealing arguments. And so if you live in a world where you are the center of the world and now you're being told that your feelings are authentic and you need to live in your authentic self and you have credentialed academics telling you this is reality, well now you have a justification to do really whatever you want to do until it crosses a line for them. So I can't stand here and tell you I feel like a cat. Can't do that. No one's going to go around talking like that. But if I said I was a girl today, you can't argue with that. Because in our world right now, that's now become knowledge. That's not knowledge. That's folly. That's a lie. There's men and women 
That distinction was created by God. Now, by me, and your anatomy plays a role here. This is one example. This is just one example. The point is be very, very alert with the messages that are coming through. And how do you counteract false thinking? Like, it, it ha- like what's the standard? For me, the standard is the Word of God. For Jesus, it was the Word of God. Do you know who it wasn't the standard for? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve went with their feelings. And that's why I struggled not to eat all those peanut M&M's this week. That's why. Because they went with their feelings. And I now have to deal with self-control. And sometimes not so well. I want to make so many jokes. We'll leave it. We'll leave it. You don't know the struggle that I've had. You did that to me, by the way. Whoever gave those to me did that to me. And the devil prowls around looking to destroy. All right. You need the Word of God. You need the Word of God. Let's go with one, one next step. One next step. Put one Bible passage where you can see it throughout the day. One Bible passage. Let me tell you how I thought about this. Tess uh, uh, had her phone on the table this week, and you know, a notification pops up. You know, it usually will light up the screen. And she had a Bible passage on her home screen. I, didn't, I hadn't seen this, and so I read, the, read the, the verse. And I thought, man, I like that verse. I need to remember that verse. And I thought, that's a great way to remember a verse. It's on your phone every time you turn on your phone. Maybe you put a sticky note, put it in your bathroom. Listen, you need more than one Bible passage a day. But what a great start for training to have right thinking. So do something to put a Bible passage in front of your mind so that you see it, not just once a day, but you see it throughout the day. And that reminds you to keep your mind alert. Stay with the standard. It's the thing that will last. We must avoid false thinking, and it's coming in all other directions. So let's you and I train and do something, one concrete thing, to put the Bible in front of our eyes every day. Just a start. Just a start. It's a start, and eventually we'll get to a marathon. But we start with something. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And thank you for this devotion to remember what this is for Christians around the world as we celebrate Palm Sunday. We remember Jesus, our example. And we remember He is the Lamb of God. They cried out, King. They cried out, Hosanna. They thought He was coming to reign on earth and destroy their enemies. He was, but not in the way they expected. So we humble ourselves and we acknowledge Jesus is King. And we acknowledge His great sacrifice for us. And we acknowledge that You are the center of the universe. Help us with our thinking. Help us to be rooted in Your Word. And help us to be people who love and have hope and pray effectively and we resist the devil. We pray that all under the name of Him in whom we will glory forever and ever, Jesus the Christ. Amen.